Good evening and welcome to episode 99 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantu Kumalo. I can't believe we're so close to episode 100. And of course, you know that for episode 100, we have something in store for you. And one of those is we're running a great competition where you stand a chance of winning 5,000 Rand cash. That's it, 5,000 Rand cash. You get to walk away with it. And all you have to do to, to win that prize, we've posted the competition on our Facebook page. And what we want to find out from you is what have been some of the lessons that you have learned uh, you know, while watching the Private Property Podcast. So if there's one key thing that you've taken out of watching the public, uh, the, the private property rather podcast for the past 99 episodes, what has that thing been? And we also want to know what more do you want us to look at? What's that issue that you want us to either go back to and just interrogate yet again or something that you think we haven't quite covered that you need some help with? We want to hear from you. And if you enter that competition, you stand a chance of winning that 5,000 rand cash prize. We have uh, shared our competition details right here below. So you can just go on our Facebook page and read the competitions, T's and C's. And of course, share with us what has been some of the highlights of watching the podcast. We're certainly excited to bring you, you know, the 100th episode and, of course, to give away that 5,000 rand cash prize. You all know how excited I get about uh, giveaways. We're also going to have spot prizes during the episode. The very big thing is all the prizes are going to be given away live, so we're not going to do it after the fact. So you have to be watching in order to be able to win. If you're not watching... We're not going to, you're not going to be able to win. But you can read more of those T's and C's down here below. But as usual, it is a Wednesday. We're speaking to Absent. This evening, we're looking at the uh, homeowners sentiment index. Probably you're thinking, okay, what is that? That's one of the things we're going to be looking at and really understanding why it's so important for us to be able to look, understand different data sets. And I think the very big thing is also understanding uh, what the latest data in the homeowner's sentiment essentially says, because we know the last time we spoke to our guest, who is Umzo Akimzim, he's a manager at analytics, uh, in, uh, of analytics rather, at APSA Home Loans. We were talking about uh, this, um, the, you know, the index and the importance of the index, but also the results that came out. So we'll soon be getting an update of the latest data that the index indicates. But without any more uh, delays, Muzi, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Zama. Uh, thank you very much for having me and good evening to you, all the listeners. Yeah, so I think the first thing, before we even look at what the Q data results say, I'm sure that some of the viewers are joining us for the first time. They probably don't know what the homeowners sentiment index is, why it's even important. You take us through what exactly it is. Certainly. So the homeowner sentiment index, it's an index that was started, we've been running it for more than three years now. Quarterly, we go out into the market and we ask uh, individuals. So we buy retail consumers. We Sorry, we, we ask uh, retail consumers what uh, their thoughts are around the property industry in South Africa. What makes this index uh, different to other uh, indices out there is that we actually talk to the end consumer. So the results of the homeowner sentiment index let us know exactly what's going on in the mind of the consumer. So it's basically to say what's going on in Zama's mind, what's going on in Muzi's mind. Uh, so we run this uh, sentiment index quarterly. Uh, we ask a couple of questions. We segment uh, the respondents in, in several different ways so that we can uh, get some, some valuable insights from there. The one number that we uh, track that we then call our, our HSI 
It's basically the score that we attribute to respondents where you ask them the question, are you currently confident in the South African property market? Because we ask them a battery of questions, um, they're happy about certain things that are happening in the industry, they're unhappy about others, uh, but we believe that this one question of asking them, are you confident about the South African property market, is a very nice way of encapsulating their overall uh, feeling or affect towards the property industry in South Africa. And, and I think before we even dig in uh, a little bit, because I actually like that one of the questions uh, is whether people are confident in this or not, right? Because I think I can certainly understand even from a, from, from a financial institution's perspective, why it would be important to just get a sense of consumers, everyday consumers uh, are confident in the property market. But I'm almost even wearing my investor cap and wanting to get a sense of what other people uh, and how they view the, the property space and how they view that because I think I probably have a very different sentiment to it. My risk appetite is you know very different. So even during difficult times, I'll probably still have a relatively optimistic view um, around the, the space. But before we get into you know some of the results uh, and what has you know essentially come out, I think then it's why why is it important to be able to you know track that kind of data? Because I'm sure people are thinking, okay, it is insightful. I can already get a sense of why you would want that kind of um, data out there. But why is it so important for us to understand um, what homeowners' sentiments are uh, in the property space? It actually provides you um, with quantitative or, or comparable data over time. Uh, it's it's all very good and well uh, where where we have a conversation and we say you know it it feels like the market is 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 not. Uh, good for buying right now. It feels as though people don't want to sell their property. Uh, it's another one altogether for us to be able to attach numbers to that and actually track it over time. Um, and actually, and, and and what I've also mentioned, so you mentioned earlier that as an investor, you might feel differently about the, um, the property industry uh, to other participants in the, in the industry. So quite interestingly, uh, investors actually uh, bucked the trend uh, for the second quarter in a row. Um, we'll, we'll chat about um, some of those insights a bit later, uh, but we can therefore um, you, you can actually then um, have the power in your hands to say, uh, if I'm a first-time property owner, how do I compare to other first-time property owners? If you're a property investor, you can say, um, how, how are property investors thinking about the industry right now? And how's the rest of the market thinking about, about it right now? And it can actually be one of the data points that you use in making your investment decisions. So just as much as you would look at, at the uh, forecast GDP, CPI, uh, it, uh, prime lending rate, you would also then look at uh, this number and say, uh, are people wanting to buy more properties or are people wanting to sell more properties? And what does that potentially mean for prices going forward? You, as, you know, as, as you were saying that, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a data uh, nerd and, and, and love data and being able to make data-driven data decisions. And, and I know it's one of those things that once you get some, there, there are sometimes instances where you get overwhelmed by the data because it's just so much. And I think now more than ever, we are in such an uh, increasingly digital world where there's access to so much data. So even has a a potential homeowner, perhaps, or as an investor, I'm sure you're thinking there are so many data points and you can easily be paralyzed in terms of, you know, making the right decision, even though you have that data set. But I think one of the really big things that uh, I really like about this is it really does give you a really good snapshot of 
what your peers are thinking about and assist you then in making you know decisions because sometimes a particular report or a data set you see it and you still go against what it might be bringing up because I think it, it is, is one of those things where you'd rather make a decision even though you know that the data says rather not uh, you at least this time know that you made it knowing very well that most of the odds were essentially um, not in your favor and when you look at those odds you know I can't help but reflect on the global financial crisis and the parallels that people typically make uh, of the, the the crisis and particularly how it relates to you know property and the and what we're now finding ourselves in uh, perhaps you know take us through how then the, the q2 results um, are in relation to that because a lot of people keep having parallels and even some of the guests that I've had here on the private property podcast have spoken about, you know, the 2008 crisis, some of them, some of them were old enough to be able to access property. Uh, it makes me feel oh, very young or very old because I mean, at that point, owning property or buying, that was not a thing. I think I was in first year varsity at yeah, 2008, I was 18. So it certainly wasn't a thing that was in my mind as much, but I, I know a lot of people, they would have felt you know, the pinch of that financial crisis in many ways. And now we're finding ourselves, a lot of people making those kind of parallels when it comes to property and the financial crisis uh, and where we're finding ourselves right now and trying to draw on lessons that they learned then and trying to see if they're able to use them now. Um, what's the data, then? what's the Q2 data saying uh, in terms of, I'll say, the relationship between those two? Sure, that's a, that's a, a very good question, Zama. Um, so when, when we, uh, so the Q2 results are, are pretty much, um, uh, people's sentiments during lockdown. So mm -hmm. we hit uh, level five lockdown right at the beginning of Q2. So these results actually reflect how people, uh, how people's uh, sentiment towards the property industry uh, has been. And it's quite interesting to compare it to Q1, uh, where, uh, where COVID-19 uh, was still something that was happening somewhere out there in the world. Um, and we certainly hadn't really gotten uh, to the depths of conversations around um, lockdown. So the slowing down of the of the economy as a result of this, uh, as you've mentioned, a lot of people actually uh, draw parallels to what can we actually remember um, in 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 recent memory uh, that 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 looked something like this. So when we actually had a look at data from sort of the mid to late two thousands, um, you can actually see uh, property sales numbers they literally fall off a cliff um, in terms of lots of activity and then very little activity um, happened. And, and where we basically see this, um, this cliff, it's uh, in 2007. Now, something very important to remember about 2007 is uh, the, world, the world economy was slowing down. And as a result, the South African economy was also starting to slow down. Um, markets were booming in South Africa just before that. Um, uh, property prices uh, were coming out of uh, two or three years of double-digit growth. Um, oil prices were, were quite high, so inflation was also quite high. Um, as a result, uh, what, we, what we then saw in 2007, or, or shortly thereafter, is we kind of had um, this, this uh, mixture of several effects uh, happening at the same time in the, in the market. So the first one that I mentioned is the National Credit Act uh, came into effect halfway through 2007. So what used to be a free-for-all in terms of uh, borrowing to buy property uh, came to an abrupt end. Um, so that's one thing that that really uh, affected uh, property sales numbers. The other thing that then happened is 
when interest rates went through the roof, um, a lot of people then struggled to keep up with their with their property uh, with their property uh, payments. Yeah. Then um, what also happened round about that time is that the 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 very nice trend of double digit property price growth came to a very abrupt end. And in fact, it, it went the other way. So in 2005, uh, if you had gone and you'd bought a, a property for 500,000 Rand, um, in 2006, it was possible for that house to be worth 600,000 Rand. In 2006, I was like, oh, this, this, is, this is great. Um, submitted an application in early 2007, bought it for 600,000 Rand. When I tried to offload it the following year, it was actually worth 500,000 Rand. So, so it was it was quite painful. Um, so one one thing that's really uh, different between now and when we think about the late two thousands, it's the interest rate uh, cycle. So interest rates are extremely low right now, and that's got a couple of uh, implications. So first time home buyers uh, who otherwise wouldn't have qualified to buy uh, entry level houses can can suddenly afford houses. Um, families who are looking at uh, upgrading their property suddenly they can bring up that uh, upgrading date. So they were going to up, uh, upgrade in three or four years time. Uh, suddenly with interest rates coming down, suddenly your car payments are lower. Uh, the installment on the house is gonna be lower. Uh, those who have credit cards, personal loans, all of those payments are lower and it actually puts more money back into your pocket. So those uh, segments of the market are, are able to upgrade much sooner. And all of this additional activities, activity that we pretty much didn't have the luxury of in the late 2000s. And, and you, you know, when you're even reflecting on how this is a period where I'm sure first time home buyers, it's a great opportunity for them to be able to access, uh, you know, a house because they're now probably able to afford um, a particular house. And I think some people are potentially looking to uh, maybe upgrade, although a lot of, you know, a lot of people are saying try to maybe not upgrade unless, of course, you're upgrading your, your portfolio, uh, which is a different sentiment altogether. It, it of course, uh, you know, makes me think about the, the first time home buyers show interviews at home who probably have not bought their first property. That's definitely a show to look forward to that we have here on Private Property, which is on Friday evenings. And it really does help you on your journey of buying your first home if you're a first-time home buyer and understanding you know the process and the intricacies that go into buying that first home. Muzi I want us to take a quick break and when we come back I want to then look at you know what were some of the key highlights of uh, Q2 results because as you were saying well you know the last time we had you here we spoke about um, the Q1 results but also about the, the index sort of in its entirety and what it is uh, but now we want to do that comparison because the Q2 results are uh, would have been when we're in hard lockdown and then as you know things were easing and various conversations were you know sort of coming up and down around uh, uh, you know around home ownership and people trying and people now slowly seeing the um, you know the the state of the property market slightly differently so we're going to go for a quick break we'll take your questions and comments at home I see them coming through uh, and we will be going through them shortly and we'll be back just after this. Thanks, Kizzy. That thing you had put up, you can put it up after the break.
Welcome back to episode 99 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandunga Kumalo. This evening, we're looking at the Home Owner Sentiment Index. And of course, it is a Wednesday, and we're joined by Umuzuaki Zim, who's a manager of analytics at APSA Home Loans. And before the break, you know, we're looking at what the Home Owner Sentiment Index is and some of the parallels that a lot of people, and I know some of the guests that we've also had here have looked at the parallels between the 2008 financial crisis and the effect that it had on the property market and the crisis that we currently find ourselves in, uh, the economic implications of that crisis, but also what it, the effect that it has had on the property market. And it really is an interesting parallel to try and, uh, and draw on because a lot of us perhaps were not old enough to, to be able to experience uh, you know, the, the 2008 financial crisis. So we can't quite draw parallels to it. And even when you look at the data, I mean, I've, I've looked at some of the data around 2008 and what the, the, the movement of property was like, not just in South Africa, but the US. There's a part of me that doesn't quite have, like that doesn't experience it the same because I'm like, okay, those are just numbers, I get it. Uh, but it isn't, doesn't quite hit home. But of course, we now want to understand what the, what the latest uh, you know, data says in the index. The Q2 data, as we mentioned earlier, would have been taken when we already went into lockdown. We went into lockdown at the end of March, uh, and so it's as Q2 is starting. So almost want to get an understanding of even the, the comparison between Q1 and Q2. Uh, so Musi, perhaps take us through some of the key highlights of the, the Q2 data. Yes. Um, so Zama, un unfortunately, uh, for those who love uh, data and a lot of uh, volatility, uh, the overall uh, sentiment score is only up 1%. So in Q1, 73% of our respondents were confident in the, in the South African property market. Uh, however, in Q2, it's 74%, which in and of itself is, is quite telling. Uh, that even, even as we went from a period of not being in lockdown to being in a period of lockdown, uh, the number of uh, or the percentage of respondents who are confident in the property market has remained pretty much the same. So, the, so that's kind of showing, um, that's kind of a good news story for the South African property market to say, uh, to say uh, retail buyers of property remain confident in, in the in the property market. Um, some interesting things that uh, we actually found are sort of when we then scratch beneath the surface of that, uh, of that statistic. So the first thing we did is we had a look at uh, the different segments of respondents to this question. So we looked at, um, so we kind of clustered together everyone who's currently renting or, or not, who doesn't own a property. Um, and then we looked at first-time homeowners, and then we looked at non-first-time homeowners, and then we had a look at um, uh, people who have investment properties. So we can sort of, in inverted commas, refer to them as, as professional investors, um, although I use that, uh, that term quite loosely because it also includes uh, individuals who have one, one investment property. But, but I think their thoughts are, uh, around the matter remain quite important because they've they've learned some very important lessons. So what we saw for a, for the for the longest time is that non-first time property owners consistently scored the lowest. Like there there was the non-owners, the first time property owners, the property investors uh, kind of bunched up towards the top in terms of their scores and then you had this gap 
and then you had the non-first-time property owners. And I think this kind of talks to um, a large part of the market. Um, so actually, if you look at if you look at the trend of uh, when was property bought um, or the stock of property in South Africa bought, a lot of it was was bought in the late 2000s. Um, given the the cheap debt at the time, be, just before the, the the crisis, how easy it was to get credit, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it still has quite a number of people who who remember those very painful lessons of potentially having overpaid for property and then interest rates having gone up very quickly and then not being able to sell the property because the price actually actually went down. What we actually saw in Q2 was very interesting is that for the first time, the non-first-time property owners, in terms of their sentiment, they're still the lowest, but they, for, for the first time, they actually closed that gap. They got very close to the rest of, to the, rest of the property segments, which, which I thought was, was uh, very interesting and, and very telling to say, okay, so there's a lot of non-first-time property owners who are actually saying, okay, this, this property thing might not be such a bad idea anymore. So, so that's kind of the one, the one way um, how we looked at the data. Another way how we looked at the data is we had a look at what we call sub-indices. So uh, Muzi says he's confident about the South African property market. Um, and then there's kind of five sub-indices that we also measure. We say, do you think it's, it's a good time to buy property right now? And then uh, we kind of measure uh, a, a buying sub-sentiment, a selling sub-sentiment, uh, and so on and so forth. What we saw in Q2 versus Q1 is the sub-sentiment for buying property or the number of people saying it's a good time to buy property um, went up unilaterally across all the segments. Everyone said, yes, it is currently a good time to buy. Um, in fact, we also ask a question around, uh, is it better to buy or to rent? Um, and, and again, everyone is in agreement that it's better to buy right now rather than to rent. And when we look at the sub-index for selling property, uh, everyone's kind of saying, no, it's, it's, it's actually not a good time to sell property right now. Um, so we're kind of in a market where we're now talking about uh, there's more buyers and potentially uh, fewer willing sellers uh, out there in the market. And it, it also does talk to, uh, there might've been individuals, let's say towards the end of last year who wanted to sell a property. Um, at that point in time, uh, what the HSI was telling us is a lot of the sellers were saying, I'm not getting the price that I want for my property. Um, suddenly those sellers have an option to keep the property because their debt repayments um, are, much, are much cheaper. Um, so we're actually starting to see potential green shoots of uh, what I would term uh, new investors. So people are potentially looking at upgrading, but now you kind of thinking about not selling your current property and maybe just buying your second one and becoming a, a, a brand new investor with your existing property. You know, Muzi, I mean, out of my own curiosity, when, when you're collecting, you know, the data, uh, is it relatively longitudinal? And what I mean by that is, are you asking the same people and being able to track that Uzama the last time said this and the sentiment changed? And it doesn't necessarily have to be me, but I think one of the things that I'd be interested in is sometimes when you have, you know, various groups, even though the, we meet the right specs, but it's different people. So uh, you're not really able to control if, it's the same hundred people and it's that their sentiment that's essentially relatively changing. Because I think that would also be interesting to see from um, the people who experienced 2008 versus now um, and, and the people who are now experiencing this for the first time, because I think that's also an interesting thing to be able to observe. So if previously you participated in this 
and you were a non-first time home buyer and you were like, no, I'm anti, uh, you know, buying, I'm okay with just renting, uh, or rather you, you haven't bought before and now all of a sudden you are seeing all these various conversations about property and you're thinking, you know what, no, buying is the way to go. Uh, it, it would be quite interesting to see if it's, is it, is it the same people? Or, I mean, I can imagine though, it's probably not. I mean, the, the, these kinds of, this kind of data doesn't land itself, unfortunately, uh, to that kind of analysis. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it's different people um, every quarter, but we do make sure that um, the sample size is big enough for us to be able to uh, make some, some inferences. And I think one of the things you know you were mentioning, Muzi, which is also just interesting because we're seeing it on the market. And I think more than anything, a part of me is interested in what the Q, uh, Q3 data is going to, to show. You almost want to do a nice comparison for, for this year because it's going to be quite telling. Uh, we are seeing quite a lot of stock on the market. I think almost on a daily basis, there are certain areas that I monitor and on a daily basis, each and every single one of those areas, there are alerts about properties going on the market in all of them. And, and then every other day you're seeing alerts with you know, prices getting reduced. Um, and we've had various guests you know, saying it is a buyer's market. So there are a lot of buyers who are hungry to buy and a lot of them are able to now access the home financing of the properties that they're looking for. But the properties that are going to sell are the ones that are also priced at the right point. And you're finding that sellers, uh, certainly a lot of the older um, or maybe slightly more seasoned, um, I'll say owners as opposed to investors, want to make a certain kind of return that they previously were able to make in other you know uh, properties and that's just not possible in this market right now because we're also spoiled for choice i think never mind you know property prices we are spoiled for choice you are able to find various houses or apartments in that price bracket and with owners who are able to and willing to negotiate lower lower so i think one of the big things for especially sellers that a lot of the guests that we've had on here who've touched on this issue was if you're a seller this is not the time to test the market uh, you have to be a serious seller and set the right price your property will go there are buyers uh, they are qualifying but trying to overprice it just isn't you know the time and yet we are seeing uh, a lot of people you know, overpricing their their properties quite a lot and they're staying on on the market for quite a long time so i'm, I'm really interested then in what we're going to be seeing for q3 because it is one of those things that uh we are monitoring because we want to get a sense of whether sellers are going to say listen actually i no longer just want this asset never mind that i'm paying less for it i just want to offload it and let it go uh, and somebody else take over it and when i say that then it makes me think about and i know this is one of those things that um, we can't be certain of. I mean, you, you, it's almost like trying to ask somebody what's the state of the economy going to be like in three years' time. It's not an exact science, unfortunately. But you know, where do you see the the economic impact um, at the end of the year, especially of you know the, the the crisis and when we look at, I'll say, the property sector? What are your sentiments for what it may potentially look like at the end of the year? So what, what uh, we as a bank have actually done is uh, we've been surprised on the upside, uh, which, is, which is actually some good news. So uh, about a quarter ago, we uh, felt that GDP would, uh, would contract 9.7%. Um, so we've actually uh, adjusted our outlook. Um, and now we believe that it'll only contract 8.3%. Um, and that's because we, we kind of haven't seen 
um, signs of uh, contraction that's as deep as we ex anticipated. Um, and we're kind of thinking, okay, coming out of this, um, coming out of uh, lockdown, we think uh, the economy uh, actually has some legs to, to do a little bit better than what um, we had initially forecasted. Um, in terms of where we see the property industry, again, Zama, your, your guess is as good as mine. So we certainly, as, as, as APSA, don't believe that uh, house price inflation is going to be where it was in the late 2000s. So we were seeing uh, property prices uh, drop double digits. Um, we do think that there'll be some, some strain um, in the market in terms of property, property prices coming down. Um, but we will we'll have to really play this by ear and really um, apply our minds in terms of exactly how is this um, whole thing uh, or, or, or how how is all this going to turn out in the end? Uh, because like I mentioned, we we actually, the HSI is telling us that there's more people who want to buy properties. Um, it's also telling us that there's fewer people who want to, who want to sell their properties. Um, and if you think of um, economics one, it kind of says, okay, so the demand is going up and the supply is coming down. Uh, so it definitely remains to be seen what that's gonna do for property prices. Uh, but also when we think about property prices, uh, location remains very important. Um, so we, we actually can't even um, make a make a, a, a blanket call about it. So local local insights remain uh, very important. Uh, so the the way the property prices are going to move, it's going to definitely depend on the uh, location. It's definitely going to depend on the on the price point of the property. Uh, because properties on the upper end, we they they generally uh, lag quite a bit, and and properties sort of towards the lower and middle end of the market tend to do quite well in terms of price. And I think one of the things that uh, another guest that we've had on here, I remember them sharing that what they found was um, you know properties that are selling for one point eight and below, the the prices aren't going down. Um, as as much as people would probably want, and which is unfortunate because it's also the the band that a lot of people are now able to access, especially slightly on the lower end, not so much you know towards the 1.8. And and she's saying that even in some areas they're finding that some of the the properties that they're registering or selling were selling higher than what we saw you know pre lockdown, and the the decreases in terms of price and the uh, properties that are being registered in the 1.8 and above band, those are the ones where there's more room to negotiate and you know the prices are going sub 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 relatively lower um, and it's still not necessarily double digit i think they have been i've spotted a few good opportunities but they are not the, the status quo and i think that's the one caveat uh for property investors and also just people are looking to buy a property that in as much as there may be a few uh, relatively okay deals the big ones where you buy something at like double digit decreases they're not as many those are very few and far in between. So trying to kind of search for that uh, probably might not be as successful, but they are there. I think, but the big thing is they're not the, 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 the norm. And so being able to adjust even our investment strategies as property investors to where the norm is and being able to identify then those trends becomes important because you're going to be searching for something you very likely might not find. Now, Muzi, I mean, any final tip you'd like to share with our, our viewers at home, especially our property investors who want to be able to use this kind of data uh, to, to make the right property investment decision, or even if it's just a, you already have a portfolio, you want to maybe see how to grow it a little bit, 
how can they best uh, say, utilize this kind of data? I mean, there are different, there's different kinds of reports and indexes. I read quite a lot of them and, and it, it gets overwhelming, um, but for me, it's the nature of the work. But I think a lot of property investors, your property business is a, a side business. You have your normal sort of nine to five job and you want to still be able to make data-driven decisions. So what are some of the best ways they can use um, the, the homeowner sentiment index, especially as it comes out quarterly. So being able to just use it to make the right decisions for their property business. Yes, uh, yeah. So if you are an, a property investor or a budding property investor, um, I definitely encourage you to look at the numbers, uh, to track the numbers over time because they kind of give you an idea of, of what's to come. So for example, now that we've seen that uh, buying sentiment is up, uh, selling sentiment is down. It kind of gives you a clue of okay, so there's there's going to potentially be upward uh, price pressure um, in the in the uh, discussion or in in the conclusion page. Uh, we also actually talk about um, the reducing interest rates have actually enabled uh, more new entrants. So as you were talking, entry level properties prices stay. Uh, resilient because now suddenly uh, you had the people who were eyeing uh, entry-level properties and because interest rates are down you actually have more people who are now able to uh, to buy in that space so it, it kind of helps you to um, really craft your your overall narrative around what's happening in the property uh, space the other thing that I will say though is uh, nothing actually beats or, or very few things beat uh, beat experience um, and, and beat the the, the, the scars of, of war and lessons uh, very hard learned. Uh, and, and Look, what we I'm... learned that the hard way, Muzi. We, we learn it the very hard way, um, especially in property. There's only so much reading and studying and seminars and webinars and podcasts that you can consume. At some point, you, you have to get your skin in the game and, and navigate it, right? It's, it's almost like they always say you can... You can watch as many videos and read as much literature about how to swim, but the only way you'll learn is to actually get in the water and, and apply the stuff that you've learned. So you'll never know really if you're able to swim um, unless you actually do that. Uh, before I let you go, Muzi, we've got a question here from Ushonisani uh, Biman who asks, do you present insights on consumer sentiment regarding the buying, selling, investing, renting, and the renovation of residential property, as well as uh, the property conditions in general? Yes and no. <laughs> bit of a bit of a, a complex question there. Um, so yes, definitely we we uh, segment the data. Uh, to quite a large extent. So as you mentioned, we do talk about um, the different segments and how they, they feel about the, the property space. Um, and as you've rightfully mentioned, we also look at several sub indices around um, uh, sentiment towards buying, selling, um, uh, renovating, as you mentioned, uh, buying versus selling and um, investing in general in the property space. Um, in terms of property conditions in general, that that we actually don't don't touch on. Um, it'll be uh, a bit difficult, and 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 I think uh, the data would be quite biased because we're asking residential um, or you're asking everyday people uh, what they think about the property space to actually start asking them about uh, more technical topics such as the the condition of their homes. We we think the the data set will be would be quite biased. So those kinds of technical questions we don't we don't uh, ask in the in the sentiment index. Well, Muzi, we are going to leave it right there. Thank you so much for joining us this evening.
Thank you very much, Zana. And if you want to get your hands on the sentiment, I think we've posted the link down here below and you're able to, you know, track the, the different, I think the last time we even had Muzi, we're able to share the conversation down here below and you're able to go through uh, that consumer, uh, you know, index and also get a better sense of how to best navigate it. I think one of the really big things that we are big on here on the Private Property Podcast is the ability to learn as much and apply what you have learned uh, along the way and being able to use uh, really good data helps quite a lot. I mean, I always say sometimes when I have to mine for my own data, I wish somebody had already done the mining and sorted through it and I'm just reading the end product. So being able to find uh, reports that are all done and people have worked on it is quite insightful and does help quite a lot. And that is, of course, something that we're going to also be uh, looking forward to for tomorrow's uh, episode, which is episode 100 of the Private Property Podcast. I know you've just seen the post we've posted up right now where you stand a chance of winning 5,000 Rand in cash. We have posted the link to the competition and we definitely want to hear from you. We've got together a really great panel, some of the experts we've had along our journey here on the Private Property Podcast. And we're going to be looking at a number of things that I know you're going to find, you know, insightful. I don't even want to give away too much because I think more than anything, this is that uh, episode that if you hadn't been watching as much, you want to get a taste of this and also just a taste of what more uh, to come here on the Private Property Podcast. So do set your alarms. We're on at seven o'clock. You definitely do not want to miss it. And of course, remember to participate in the conversation because we want to hear what you want to, uh, you know, what you want us to cover, the experts you want us to, to bring on the show and how we can pick their brain and get a little bit of their expertise and we also want to hear what you've learned i think it's such great insights we've been going through a number of your posts uh sharing with us some of the things that you've learned and we certainly do look forward to reading more of your posts well that's it from me zamantoma here on the private property podcast it has been a pleasure we're back again for the much anticipated 100th episode tomorrow evening you definitely don't want to miss it and as usual hoping you're staying home you're staying safe and keeping warm we'll be with you tomorrow evening Hi, I'm Cornita Bobs. I'm a BCom student at Stellenbosch University. I currently live in Valkofonen Estate and I absolutely love this area. Historically, Stellenbosch is known as a student town. It offers an incredibly peaceful lifestyle and the people around town are always welcoming and friendly. Because it's a small town, there's an amazing community vibe with some really authentic coffee shops and restaurants. The trees along Victoria Street create a beautiful environment to be in and it's really cool for students passing through campus. some excellent boys and girls schools in the area. Our town has such a rich history, but at the same time it's really modern and you'll find some amazing art installations all around. 
The sun rises and sunsets are some of the best in the world. It's the most beautiful place to call home. I've lived here for the past five years and it's been an unforgettable experience. And this is my neighborhood.